Welcome, everyone. It's Thomas Watson, trucking expert here at Freight Waves for a special loaded and rolling. I got the coronavirus edition. So we are at home here in my awesome, super professional studio. Have the fancy mic as well. And if you randomly see, it looks like I'm coughing. Hopefully uh, it'll be not during uh, when I'm actually currently shown here. We're going to have a two box soon with our guest coming up. But the cool thing about these things, I'm going to do a quick plug. If you get a Blue Yeti mic, it has this little button here. You can quickly you can quickly press it to mute yourself. So love the technology and stuff. Shout out to our TV team over in Freight Waves. They're pulling me in live uh, from our link. We use these for Freight Waves now as well. So always a pleasure. But let's get right to it. Stuff talking about for today. Really cool, folks. This one is uh, Agile Media Group. Now, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks who do advertising on trucks, but it's all part of this really cool new thing called Out of Home or OOH or OO uh, advertising platform. So going to be bringing on in a minute Tom Shea, and uh, he is the co-founder and CEO of Agile Media Group and a lot of cool stuff. Uh, one cool thing and we'll be talking about a little bit is a story after we let him talk about the company, of course, uh, is how they're able to actually get people paid for advertising. I'm, I'm normally the one having to give up all my information and I don't get paid for it. Tom, welcome. Good, good to see you, sir. Thomas, thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, I hope they paid you for that microphone plug you just gave there. <laughs> They probably won't. I think we're a sure house over at Freight Waves, the S-H-U-R-E. I need to get one of those. Maybe I can get get a setup going. But, um, you know, speaking of speaking of advertising and stuff, this is really cool um, how the company works. For folks who are not familiar with Agile, what are some of the stuff y'all are working on? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been working on it since 2018, me and my business partner, Max Flannery. And... In a nutshell, we turn trucks into mobile billboards on behalf of brands. So think T-Mobile, think Planet Fitness, all clients of ours. And I think what we were setting out to solve for is we were looking around at all the different commercial transportation um, systems in the United States and realizing that everyone except truckside advertising, or everyone except the truckside category specifically was getting advertising subsidies. So if you look at you know trains, if you look at buses, if you look at taxis, all of them at this point have some sort of advertising element to offset the costs. And I think this conversation's never felt more appropriate uh, with what's been going on in the market. And so we've been hard at work uh, since 2018 trying to bring that sort of advertising subsidies to the market in the truck side category. And like, so for buses and stuff, because I see the billboards, you know, if you're in any large city, you see billboards on the buses. Sometimes they're like the lawyers or things like that. I mean, is that a really big... Uh, chunk of change that helps these, uh, you know, people transport companies? Is it pretty lucrative? Yeah. So, I mean, out-of-home advertising globally is about a $50 billion market, just for uh, a little bit of size and scope. And, and out-of-home encompasses all offline media. So I think billboards, billboards today get about 75% of the out-of-home revenues, but transit gets about 15%. And transit, you know, I think truckside advertising would technically fall under that umbrella and it's growing at about 16% year over year. There's some really interesting elements that are making it such that we can't add more billboards into circulation in the United States. There's actually legislation against doing so. So there hasn't been a net new billboard added to the United States in over 10 years. And so there's this weird mismatch between supply and demand right now that we're also trying to execute against. So 
out of home is growing really quick. There's a lot of macro trends that are making marketing on digital arenas, like on your phone, a bit more complicated and confusing than it used to be a couple years ago. And so out of home is poised to grow quite aggressively over the next 10 or so years. And um, we're trying to capitalize and uh, on that mismatch between out of home supply and demand. And I've heard there's some really cool tech. Uh, some providers have talked about how you can, you know, because when you're doing ads, you want to see the makeup, who's looking at it. But but some have right. said there's technology now that can ping through the cell phone or airwaves to actually get a profile of a, a type of person who may have potentially seen the space. Uh, that seemed really, really revolutionary because before you just, it's like the Rock City barns in Tennessee. You just That's put right. it up there and you hope that someone sees Rock City. Right. That's right. Yeah. You, it used to, you know, out of home for the longest time. It's it's like the tr- the original OG form of advertising, right? It's always been around. It's always had this element of we think it's working, but we can't really prove that it's working. And advancements in the space made it such that you can actually pin down that information with a bit more granularity. So an example of how this works for specifically on the truck side, um, our partners, they either have a GPS, let's like a Samsara or a Geotab or Verizon, et cetera. And we're hooking into that GPS. And if they don't have one, we send it to them. We hook into those GPSs and then we're able to say, okay, here's the truck. Draw what's called a geofence around that truck and update that geofence every second as the truck moves. And you can capture anonymized mobile phone identifiers that allow you to understand, okay, what type of person is this? Age, education, income, race, what are they interested in? All this you know, very rich data. And then you can also say, does that mobile phone show up on a website for that brand? So like planetfitness.com, or do they visit a T-Mobile store thereafter? And I know, you know, probably everyone's like, oh my God, this sounds creepy. Our phones are listening. Trust me, there's some element of uh, this feeling like it's creepy. However, what's really important is the, the reason this stuff is GDPR and CCPA compliant is when a mobile phone does get captured, it's anonymized. So instead of being able to say, this is Tom Shea's phone, all that's being captured is something that says XYZ123, some sort of like hash character string. And then there's um, information that's associated with that hash character string. If you could actually unmask the phone and say, this is Tom Shea, that's illegal. And so that stuff doesn't happen. And uh, your phone isn't listening. But uh, this is the technology that's been in digital marketing for the past two decades. And it's just sort of now being brought into the offline media world. That's what I was curious about because, uh, so when it communicates and pings the tower, it's sending these packets and it's an, and there's a way that you can anonymize it. Because I think that uh, Facebook and other social media companies were doing the geofencing for uh, stores and businesses and stuff, and they had their own geofences. And if they saw that it was on their platform, that's what I always wondered. Because I heard, I read about this like ten plus years ago, and I, it was something about how they're doing location-based ads. But I always wondered how they were pulling that that data stream to get that basic anonymous demographic data. Yeah, totally. It's um, you know, if you're curious with more granularity, if the audience is curious, really the vector of capture here is location services on mobile apps on your phone. So if you think of like a gas buddy or, and I'm, I don't know specifically which apps uh, are doing this and which aren't, but there's 500,000 plus apps that live on your phone um, that will be paying location services uh, regularly to your phone. And they'll say, hey, like this person has Yelp downloaded or this person has a dating app downloaded. And you can understand, okay, well, I know the truck was here. I've drawn this geofence and then give me all the devices that were around this truck at that, at that exact time. 
And so the source of truth for that is all just location services on mobile apps on your phone. So theoretically, let's say let's say I have a truck. Uh, I'm doing local deliveries. I got a box truck, and we have the data. Yeah. And I'm going to get like Dunkin' Donuts or something, for instance. And so you could drive around the city, and then you could ping it, and it picks up anonymous ones, but all of them with the Dunkin' app. And then if they show up at a Dunkin', then you could then say, "Hey, look, uh, like this was happening here." And so you can for advertisers. That's like a big. That's a big step because back in the day, you just kind of had to assume these anonymous people were showing a location, but not something that could have influenced it. Yeah, totally. Really, I think all that's changed is the playing field's gotten a bit more even. Like this has existed in the digital marketing re- ecosystem for many years. That's it's the same stuff that powers Facebook and TikTok. And that gave them a huge leg up. Like now, now advertising dollars, like 90% of budgets are in those channels now. It, it's left radio, TV, print out of home. And, you know, bringing the technology that made those channels so popular over the past two decades back to what people call legacy media formats like outdoor advertising is really just leveled the playing field so that people can, for the first time, say, what am I actually getting in return here? And let me compare that with my other marketing pursuits on Facebook and TikTok. And if it's something that's outperforming, I should continue to spend here. So that's what's been driving the growth. It's really come at the cost of digital. This gets pretty in the weeds pretty quick, but iOS 14.5 in 2020, 2021 is what kicked off that trend. But as we look to the future, they're talking about deprecating cookies or deprecating UTM parameters. There's a lot of headwinds in the digital marketing arena right now, um, very focused on privacy. And not much has really changed um, in the offline media landscape, except uh, some technological advancements that sort of leveled the playing field a little bit. And let's talk about giving back. Uh, there's a really cool story about how you're able to not only give back some of this this uh, portion of the ads to these drivers, but talk about how that works. Because I can only imagine as a driver, normally it's very suspect when someone offers you money uh, and it's hard enough to get paid for the work you do. Uh, tell, us, right. uh, tell us a little about, about this. Yeah, sir. So um, when we st- first started building business, we, you know, we recognize there's an opportunity cost to having a different brand other than your own on your vehicle. And, and that's something that's clear to us. And when we think of like our mantra on the actual execution and operations of our business, we've always talked about we need to be nearly invisible to these folks. So only doing installations on nights and weekends and things like that. But more tactically, essentially what we're doing is sending a monthly financial incentive to our partners in exchange for the advertising real estate. Why does this work? Well, Really, what we set out to solve for is what I would call like a willingness to pay uh, mismatch equation, whereby if you have some lettering on your vehicle that says Tom's Soap Delivery Company and you're delivering last mile you know, soap to laundromats around a place like New York City, well, think about it. What percentage of the viewing audience can actually engage with your advertisement? Like who is your target customer if you're a B2B business to business type operator? Far less than 1% of the people that are actually going to see that ad. Whereas if we were to flip that on its head and you think about a T-Mobile or Planet Fitness or a B2C business to consumer type uh, advertising, that it follows that a much greater percentage of the viewing audience are their ideal targets. And so a much greater percentage of the viewing population can engage or you know think or act on seeing a Planet Fitness advertisement, for example. And so that created a scenario where we're like, okay, well, um, what if we, knowing that there's a higher willingness to pay for B2C brands than there are for B2B brands, what if we take the you know sale that we're able to make to the B2C brands and split that with the actual operators and say, listen, Tom Soap Delivery Company, 
I know there's an opportunity cost here to you not having some lettering on your vehicle advertising your services, but we're going to pay you monthly for the rights to advertise on your vehicle. And we're going to suggest that you invest in something that works like a, a more dedicated B2B marketing strategy. And B2B marketing strategies are very like, you know, very relationship driven, very long form. You know, you're building trust, you're building a relationship. That's how B2B deals get done. Whereas consumer is a bit more mass market approach. So when we partner with um, our truck side advertising partners, we are essentially sending three to $500 per truck per month when there's an advertisement active. And in doing so, really trying to offset the cost of ownership for, um, you know, operating in that space. And looking at uh, currently short haul, right? Is there something, is it right now, given the tech, I'm assuming the being closer to cities is better sell for B2C. And then if you're like on the highway and stuff, uh, is it either harder to figure it out or is it just because it's a density argument? Maybe you're stuck with the same amount of cars in the same area for the next you know, right. three miles. Yeah, you're hitting on a great point. So I'll, I will share, we started with over the road, like this is 2018, Max and I didn't know much about marketing or trucking, to be honest. And um, we thought the more space, the better. But you hit it on the head um, from a brand perspective, something that's operating in the last mile is obviously far more attractive than something that's going over the road or you know across the country just because of the amount of eyeballs that it's getting. So for the moment, right now we're exclusively working with last mile delivery vehicles. That said, I do think there's a world where as you know we're out there fighting the good fight and trying to accelerate this business, there is a world where I do think we eventually get back into the over the road type vehicles. Um, and something that's, you know, maybe pertinent there, taking a book out of the out-of-home industry, okay, why are there billboards in places that aren't New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles, like these dense markets? Obviously, there's there's people that, uh, there's brands that want to target those people as well. Um, but in terms of like, you know, going down, what's the most attractive to the least attractive um, at the start? You know, billboards do something called remnant buys, where if there's inventory that's technically less desirable, but obviously still valuable to someone, they're able to take a massive amount of those billboards and roll them up and go to a massive brand like Nike, who's trying to target everyone and say, hey, we're going to do this remnant billboard buy. You're going to buy a thousand of these billboards. You're going to buy them for a year and you're going to get them for uh, a fairly inexpensive rate because you're doing such a bulk buy. And so we think over time, we can eventually take a page out of the out of home or the billboard uh, marketing playbook and start to, you know, monetize the space of the long haul trucks as well. I think the part that's tricky in the short term is the cost of goods sold is twice as large, right? A 52 footer is going to cost, you know, from the labor and production and material perspective costs about double that of a last mile delivery vehicle. And right now it gets about a sixth of the amount of eyeballs as a last mile delivery vehicle. That's what I was curious about because uh, the the technology behind, especially how it's able to pick up uh, the mobile pings, I always wondered why the billboards just decided to, why don't you just get smart? Because if you're a stationary billboard along like I-40 and you're able to like plug a little antenna on it or something and have it feed data back, I always wondered why, you, maybe it's just because the billboard makers aren't into it, but I think that could be like a cash cow. Imagine if I'm a local government and I want to see like, who are the people coming through or even if I'm a... Uh, like a, an Apple store. And I wonder if all these people drive up to like Knoxville, for instance, instead of I could have built an Apple store in Chattanooga. Yeah, totally. The, uh, you know, we're taking, 
we're like this one tiny little piece of like location services marketing uh, at large. But to your point, like there is nothing stopping me from saying, okay, you know, we can get the location services around the truck, but I can also get the location services for people who've gone into Target more than three times in the past month. And that becomes valuable to, hey, maybe you launched a new beverage brand and, you know, you want to target, you launched in Target and you want to capture the people at Target to send them a Facebook ad to say, hey, next time you're in Target, here's $2 off, you know, something to help um, increase your velocity in those tar- in Target. And yeah, I mean, it runs the gamut. You can very quickly go down a rabbit hole to, can we use this for, you know, launch, where should we put our new store that we're going to create or, you know, things as intense as like government related stuff like, you know, uh, elections and things like that. But trying to stay away from that uh, category specifically and, you know, stick to what we're good at, which is uh, putting ads on trucks. And I like to talk about the wrapping in the ad space. I spoke with some folks from like 3M back yeah. in the day, as well as Lowen, who does the graphics. And they were talking about quality ad wraps and everything. When you look at wrapping the vehicles as well, is that something where, um, you know, if, if I have a box truck, am I locking in like a one-year deal with y'all for the stuff? Or is it a turn by turn? Or, you know, when you look into wrapping totally. it, you use a different one if they're going to stick around longer? Yeah, great question. So um, in terms of how our business operates today, we generally start brands off on like a quarter long activation. So, you know, three months. And then once they've, you know, tried it out, tried it on for size, you know, uh, felt the effectiveness of it, then we start getting into those longer conversations of, hey, you know, this would be much more effective uh, per dollar if we did something like an annual contract. And to your point, there's, depending on what you, depending on, the length of the flight, the advertising flight, there's different materials that we'd be looking at, right? So for example, on the 12 week flights, you're using a pretty temporary type of vinyl such that like you can have lettering on your truck um, that says Tom Stoke Delivery Company. And you can say, hey, I wanna try working with Agile, but I'm not really sure if this is for me. I'm just gonna opt into one campaign and see what the experience is like. We put that you know, temporary vinyl on. Then when you take it off, your vinyl will be perfectly intact underneath it, um, which is something that I think folks have really appreciated because it lets them, you know, dip a toe in instead of like, you know, fully committing because maybe they want that ad space back. Maybe there's something that's important. It's something that's important to them and they see a lot of value from it, for example. Um, But as you talk about those longer wraps or like if someone wanted something for, even for themselves for a a a really long period, there's much more like permanent vinyl that you might associate with like a car wrap, like if someone put some detailing or, um, you know, uh, some some uh, flames or something on their fancy sports car, those things are usually like three to five year lifespan wraps. Oh, wow. I was I always wondered about that. The cool fact I learned from that interview was uh, apparently UPS is one of the very few companies that they don't want their wrapping. They'll like destroy their own vehicles before they'll just show them up. Because you've seen the used box trucks. Sometimes it says like a FedEx or somebody's, you know, the the remains of the wrap. And that was, right. it was a fascinating thing. Somewhere out there, there's a bunch of just graveyards of UPS trucks that are out of commission because they, they care about yeah. their wrapping. Um, another question, moving into, so we got, we're looking at uh, local trucks, checking out OTR as well. Um, you know, I got a little far out question, drones. Now, two theories. My first theory is that, do you see the little things on the back like the airplanes? You know, it's like, Sal, right. will you marry me? You know, 
Or do you paint the drone certain colors if they, you know, depending upon your drone, so you have a sponsored drone? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. So if you, I have a few comments here. One, I think where we've seen it most has actually been at music, music festivals thus far. And it hasn't been necessarily for sponsored advertising, but they'll throw up like, it's called 500 drones that are synchronized and they'll make something like a, a Pepsi can. And then it'll shape shift into something else. And everyone's one, everyone, including myself, is like, what's going to happen with this? Are we just going to like wake up tomorrow and before we know it, there's just like advertisements in the sky, which would suck. But I think that's not going to happen. And here's why. There's something called the Highway Beautification Act of 1965. And that I mentioned, I alluded to this earlier. That is the prevailing legislation that essentially states that if you erect too many billboards in your state past a specific threshold, the federal government stops funding the highway program for the entire state. And so that's artificially capped how many billboards any single city can have, for example. And so that's been solidified like across multiple Supreme Court cases since 1965. It's pretty ironed in there in, in terms of its precedence. And I, it's a noise, visual, and light pollution concept. So essentially, they were stating these billboards are creating, you know, a, not like light, visual pollution on, on our environment. And so they landed on a, an agreement where they would uh, cap the amount. I do think that piece of legislation would kick in uh, for any sort of like drone style advertising uh, venture. But I mean, who knows, right? Like, we won't know until there's some someone does it and someone gets sued, and then we'll figure out what actually happens there. But um, that, you know, just to harp on that a little bit, knowing that that's the legislation and there hasn't been a billboard added to the society in 10 years, um, what do you do, right? If you're a big billboard operator, you digitize them. So instead of being able to service one brand per month, like we have Coca-Cola up this month and then Pepsi, you know, up this month, everyone's been digitizing the billboards because then you can service 10 brands per minute. You know, you keep flipping the ad, you can just like, you know, from the cloud, you know, continue to do business. But there's another piece of legislation that mandates something called a takedown ratio. So for the rights to erect one digital billboard, you need to remove from circulation at least one static billboard and up to seven static billboards, depending on your local municipality's legislation. So for example, about a month ago, Los Angeles County got a proposal to erect 86 digital billboards. Well, guess what? They have to remove from circulation just under 270 static billboards for the rights to erect the uh, 70 or so somewhat digital billboards. And so I've learned way more than I ever thought I would about this little niche and quirk. But, you know, I think you'll see more and more digital boards out there, but know that they're coming at a, a cost of removing at least one and potentially up to seven static billboards every time a new one goes up. So there's your fun trivia for the week. That's a that's a mind blower. I was worried we'd get into like some Blade Runner thing where you see the holographic people. Yeah. But having that small law from the 60s and the regulation of the billboards, that it all starts clicking now because I, I see some dilapidated ones in Tennessee, but I always wondered why you just wouldn't you know, you continuously just see more and more and more until I guess they just reach their limit. So the government's like, I will literally stop funding your highway if I see one more billboard. That's an amazing, that's, that's an amazing that's nugget great. right there. Crazy. I mean, that was like, that was in our pitch deck back in the day, right? I said, okay, out of homes growing, the supply is stuck and it's flat. So like, who's going to come in here and solve for that? Why not us? And why not, you know, last mile delivery trucks, which is sort of an evergreen sort of uh, 
market. And there's clear things to point to of why it should be successful because the bus, the, the number one player in the bus side category does about $125 million in revenue each year. And if you look at the taxi tops, now there's hundreds of millions of dollars that have flown through a handful of companies there. And no one's really played in this, this space in the middle. And that's what we've been trying to, to solve for. Are you going to expand into Uber drivers? You know, I have little Uber vans and little professional Uber and Lyft. Because I feel like if you offered them, you know, if I'm an Uber driver, they could almost be subsidized just driving around as well. There's like a market here. And especially with the ad gamification the, and figuring it out, like it's almost like each truck is a mobile treasure trove of data that's just collecting anonymously uh, that we haven't really yeah. seen before. Yeah, that's right. So there's three players that do that today. You might be happy to know. So if there's any people who do um, some gig economy work in the Uber, Lyft, et cetera space, Rapify, Carvertize, Mobile Ads. And they do exactly what you just said, similar business model to Agile, where they are wrapping passenger vehicles uh, for the sake of advertising. And then there's even like another thing on top of that that they can do. Um, I don't know if you've if you've been in a major city, you might see those like digital or static to taxi tops, toppers that sort of sit right above the vehicle. And yeah. so the first mover there was a company called Firefly. I think they've raised about $150 million in venture funding. And then shortly thereafter, Lyft made an acquisition. They acquired Halo, which was you know doing the toppers as well. So now Lyft has their own business unit that's fo solely focused on advertising on Lyft's vehicles where they'll send the driver these taxi toppers and start displaying ads on it. And then Uber also entered the space with a strategic partnership. Um, so there's now three players that do the taxi toppers, and that's uh, Firefly, Lyft, and Uber. And there's three players that do the car wraps, that's Rapify, Carvertize, and Mobile Ads. And the toppers have, uh, I think we have about a minute left, the toppers have the data that collects it inside it, right? I'm assuming put the hardware puck in there and then it starts collecting it in? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to do it, to be honest. Agile does it keying off the GPS in the vehicles that like plug into the ODT, ODG, ODV2 port. Um, but the delivery, like there's hardware that can sit in the taxi toppers. You can also just get it from someone's mobile phone. Like if I know where, you know, they have the Uber app opened, if I'm the driver, that's going to be constantly pinging the location to Uber so they can like build the app and track where the vehicles are going. And then they can take that information and go, okay, who else was around this point? Update it. Who was around this point? And, you know, collect a lot of information. Holy cow. Whole new world. Got to wrap it up. If folks want to learn more about Agile, get involved, get more info. Best way to find out. Yeah, www.agile.co, A-D-G-I-L-E dot C-O. If you operate last month delivery vehicles in uh, the United States, we'd love to have a conversation. My name's Tom Shea. You can find me on LinkedIn um, and you can find me on Twitter at tshea0314. But uh, Thomas, thanks so much for having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a pleasure. We're going to dive down the rabbit hole again and uh, pleasure getting to catch up as well. Awesome. Take it easy. It's going to be a wrap for this show, but if you're just joining us, we will have it showing on YouTube, freightwaves.com slash, well, youtube.com slash freightwaves loaded and rolling. Got a newsletter as well. You can find it at freightwaves.com slash loaded and rolling. So every Tuesday, 1 p.m., another live show, Thursdays, 2 p.m. newsletter. Check it out. Great content. Join us next week. I'll be in studio looking a lot better than I am right now. Always great. We'll do it live.